Warning, the following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome, Primers, to this issue 48 of DC Primetime, which which probably going to be a very full, but we're going to try and push through issue of episode of issue 48. We have uh, six shows to go over this week since we bypassed Gotham last week. We're going to talk a couple minutes about it this week. Uh, and that serious head cold that's going around is has struck the cast of DC Primetime as Rob is... Uh, suffering a little bit on the other end of the microphone that i am so and you'll hear it in my voice i guarantee it <laughs> yes probably it's it's one of those reasons one of those times i'm thankful we do this in separate households indeed i don't want to catch it but uh introductions from the showcast spotlight on the here on the next level podcast network i am ben beck and from Captain Crewcast Pods from the Next Level Network, I am Rob Martin. Uh, special thanks once again for the past two weeks to uh, Shad and Jackson for joining us. They were uh, they were awesome guests, and we got a lot of great feedback from people too from having them on. So uh, hopefully that's something again we can do in the future. I'd like having those guys back on as well as some other listeners. Yes, and uh, like I said, we're we're going to continue the trend of guests. Uh, do you want to just drop that bombshell now? Uh, sure. I, I know it's something we teased about last week, but we've been in touch with his manager and it's all but confirmed at this point. Uh, at some point over the course of this week, we will be talking to Teddy Sears. We will be having Teddy Sears on the podcast and, uh, I can't wait. I've already talked to him once. He was awesome. I know you're looking forward to talking to him. Indeed. So, uh, Hunter Zolomon, Zoom, uh, Jay Garrick, however you want to refer to him, but he will be sitting down with us this yes, week. Yes, it's, it's going to be awesome. So we're going to do, we haven't figured out how we're going to do it yet, whether it's going to be a separate podcast or uh, if we're going to tack it on to the end of next week, because next week the Flash and Legends are not on. So it'll be a little bit of a shortened podcast, so maybe to keep it up to length, we'll tack that on at the end. And uh, we'll see how it goes. I think it depends on how much time we're going to get to spend with Teddy. So uh, one way or another, as long as schedules work out with Teddy, because he, he is shooting 24 right now. So uh, we do have a day during the week that he is available as long as that stays that way, because uh, schedules do change as far as shooting goes. Uh, as long as everything stays copacetic, we will have him on and you'll get to hear that next week. So yep, looking forward to that. And we still have some other guests coming up as third chairs on the podcast over the next couple weeks. Uh, we got somebody lined up for the for the week of the musical episode, which I can't wait for, which mm-hmm. is coming up soon. Yeah, uh, end of March, I believe. Uh, yeah. I want to say is when that is, and it, it's one to potentially three guests. I can I can no longer confirm or deny. <laughs> uh, okay, <laughs> what is the week that that happens? Uh, I can tell you in just a second. Because so. my fear is that it's the twenty sixth. I want to say it is the twenty sixth. That's gonna suck. Why? What's up? Uh, because that would be the potential week that I'm going to Chicago for Heroes and Villains. Oh, no. <laughs> um, 
if that's the case, I, I will. Exactly I will be bringing. That we I will up. be bringing equipment with me to record in the hotel. <laughs> One so, way or yeah, another, we will still be recording that episode. Uh, I believe. Hold on. Give me like five seconds here. I'm skimming through to the conversation with the person. Um. Ba, 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 ba. So Sunday, March twenty sixth. So. <laughs> God damn it! Uh, that's all right. We, like I said, push comes to shove. I will bring my microphone and everything with me, and I will record in the hotel like I have done before. So we will still record that issue, and then it, it'll be funny because I'll be recording with you guys, and then immediately going over to the con to to hang out and see everybody else that's there, and bring you guys some more goodies like I did from yeah. Atlanta. So, yeah, we'll still record. That won't be a problem. Oh, yeah. Uh, but let's get started, and let's go uh, through the bullet points for this week, which is where we give our ratings of Sidekick Hero or Legends for all of the show. And we're going to start first with Gotham, since we didn't do that last week. Uh, season 3, Episode 14, what is officially the winter finale um, of the show. Uh, Mad City, The Gentle Art of Making Enemies, Rob, Sidekick Hero or Legend. Well, I never thought I'd say this, but uh, our final episode that we're doing in sequence, I, it, I think it did go out with a bang, but uh, it was, a, as Ben put it, too little too late. But I'm actually going to give this one a low legend, uh, just especially because of that final scene. So, Yeah, uh, I'm right there with you. It's, it's, it's a legend, but it's literally riding the line between hero and legend for me, um, because they definitely left us with a cliffhanger going into the break and it's one of those things where I may continue to watch we just won't be talking about it uh, on the podcast at least until the season wraps up and we'll just cover yep. everything uh, by the end uh, next we have Supergirl season 2 episode 11 titled The Martian Chronicles Super, uh, Sidekick Hero or Legend uh, um, you know actually I'm gonna go uh, this gets a low legend uh, purely even if it's just because of David Harewood uh, I think he gave his absolute best performance I've ever seen of him on the show and just the fact that it was might as well have just been a the movie the thing so I, I think it deserves that <laughs> alright I'm glad I'm not the only one that picked up on that that's the second time they did it this season we, they did it in the beginning of, with the, the Parasite episode and then, then again here so you can definitely tell the Supergirl writers love that movie yeah yeah, yeah, and and I'm going legend on this one as well. I thought it was a lot of fun, and and I, like you said too, with David Harrowwood was just phenomenal. He's he puts on, he's had so many strong performances out of the show, and it's this was just another one uh, to add to the list. Uh, next up, we have the Flash season three episode twelve titled Untouchable, uh, sidekick hero or legend. I think the Flash is on a little bit of a downward slump at the moment. Nothing bad, but uh. I'd give this a hero. It was fun, but it didn't do a lot to move that plot forward. Uh, okay. Yeah, we're on the same boat with this one as well. I think we're probably, we might be all the way across the line. Uh, I don't know. Depends on this next one. I think Legend uh, Legends of Tomorrow, we'll find out where this one is. But uh, uh, Legends of Tomorrow, Season 2, Episode 11, titled Turncoat, Sidekick, Hero, or Legend? You know what? I, I'm, I'm going to say this one's kill, still riding its trend as well. Uh, this stays legend, man. Like this, this show is still proving to be, I think, my favorite thing that's running right now. And that's right butted up against Arrow. But they're still riding a high from last week and it still showed this week. So still All gets right. a legend. Uh, we're a little different on this one. I am going hero, but it is a definite high hero on this one. Um, I still think it was a lot of fun. I just don't think it was as strong, maybe, as as the last couple of weeks. But I still think it was a lot of fun. 
And yeah. now I'm definitely looking forward to next week. Or the two weeks, rather, when it comes back. Um, Arrow, Season 5, Episode 12, Bratva. Uh, sidekick, hero, or legend? Uh, this one takes a step back a bit. And I, I'm going to say this is getting a hero for me this week. Wow, we're different on this one, too. I'm going legend on this one. Uh, a number of reasons why, which we'll get into when we when we discuss the episode, but I thought this was a stronger episode, and I'm really looking forward to what the rest of the season's going to hold, mainly because of this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and lastly, we have Powerless Season 1, Episode 2, The Wayne Dream Team, Dream Team uh, Sidekick, Hero, or Legend? I'm going to go Sidekick. Ditto. And I know you and I talked a little bit about this already the night it aired. And uh, so we'll go to a little bit more details about that when we get to it. Uh, But let's jump into the Secret Origins portion and talk first about Gotham. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this because it it was two weeks ago. And uh, we will recap this big time in uh, the the um, Gotham annual. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, But tensions mount as Nygma has Cobblepot captured and defeated. Gotham has been plunged into darkness as Jerome is wanted. Uh, the streets are rioting, Jerome's goons are breaking and looting, while Jerome himself confronts Bruce Wayne and Alfred. So, I gotta say, off the bat, um, it's a tough call, because I, I know a lot of people are big on Nicholson, I know there are a lot of people that are big on, on Heath Ledger. Um, Monaghan's version of the Joker is pretty good. It, it seems like a mix of everything. It seems like he's taken a little piece of all these different actors using it and combine them into what I think like there's there's you can sense there's a little bit of Hamill in there there's a little bit of Nicholson there's you know a little bit of Ledger there's even maybe even eh, I don't know about Jared Leto but um I like his version yeah I mean he even kind of gets a little bit of the uh the 1966 Batman uh by uh, Cesar Romero in there a little bit like the way he like it's actually more in the way he carries himself is the way that Romero carried carried himself. Um, but yeah, I, I really love Monaghan, and it's kind of funny because one of the side shows like that me and my wife are currently watching um, is we've been powering through uh, like pretty much all of Shameless over the last couple months, and so it's been fun to watch Cameron Monaghan in that show, and then in, in the later seasons of Shameless, he's dealing with bipolar disorder, and now I can understand why he was picked for Gotham. Um, and that really shows like, so you're seeing a very manic version of him in shameless in a very real world scenario. Then you're seeing that very comic booky version of a lot of things he's done over there. And it works. It really works incredibly well. The only thing I think that does not work is the Joker cult in the show. Um, it just feels a little over the top, but I love that carnival, um, like, you know, sequences that they did. And it was just people just, you know, abusing and murdering folks in this carnival setting is so over the toply. It just looked very fun. They did a great job of that. Um, and I, I really got to say his performance was phenomenal. The heart hall of mirror sequence was wonderful. I yeah. think that was such a strong performance and David Mizzou again, uh, working alongside him. The two of them, you could tell had so much fun on set together. It, he's one of those actors that you can tell that this show is really honing his craft. Um, cause I don't know how much he had done before Gotham. I think he was still a relatively new actor. I mean, he had done like a uh, touch with Kiefer Sutherland. So I'm sure that was a big, um, a big draw for him too. I learned, I'm sure he learned a lot on that, even though that show was canceled after the first season. Um, 
But if they, other than that, like he's only paid, played like one-offs in episodes. He's only done like these short little stints in well, shows. No. Well, Shameless, he he's one of the leads, and that was run, that's on its seventh season. No, no, I'm so. talking about David Mazzo. Oh, David Mazzo. Oh, yeah. Okay, sorry. Yeah, David Mazzo, and that's what I'm saying. That you said he was phenomenal in this episode, and oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think this is a show that's really helping him to hone that. Oh, he, most definitely. He has gra- He has so significantly gotten better at this, uh, just from the first episode. Yeah, uh, and I gotta say too, because I just want to jump right to this point. Was um, I don't know how this show manages to do this to me every time, but like every time I'm like I'm getting sick of this. There's always a scene between, you know, Alfred and Bruce that's just like this is why I keep tuning into the show and love it. It was that scene at the end. Hold on, gonna cough. All right, much better. <laughs> I, I jumped to the mute button as fast as I could. Um, but uh, so that sequence at the table with him just saying, I'm not going to kill that whole sequence. Every moment of that, I'm like, God damn it, Gotham. I'm like, I am going to have to tune back in when the show starts back up. I and know that, I'm going to. And it was that and it was that scene right there that was like, I think in my mind when I heard him say that, I was like, uh, holy shit, he's becoming Batman. Yeah, like, and every time, because they do this, at least, like, in every real true mid-season and then season finale moment, there is this giant climbing moment for his character. And you believe it and understand it. It never feels forced. It always actually feels true to what's happening at that time. Yeah. And Sean Pertwee and and him, the chemistry they have on screen, and I understand why they don't do it all the time, because if they focus on those two characters constantly, I think they realize they, they... make this kid Batman before he's 18. And that doesn't work in the, the you know, confines of the show. And I think it's fine that they use them sparingly, but the problem is everything that's that they're padding out with is not strong enough to support it. So it, that's the only shame about the show. Yeah. But uh, everything that those two are doing on screen together has been nothing but phenomenal. And one of the other things i got to say is, even though with the Penguin and Riddler story, even though I didn't like how they got to what they got to, I love the fact that it married back to the mid-season finale of Gotham season one of With you know, Penguin, Gordon, and... Penguin and Gordon. And now it was this time it was Nigma and uh, Penguin. So. Yeah. Except only this time Nigma was shot or, or yes. Penguin was shot. Oswald was very, shot. very much in the gut. Yes. So. so it'll be very interesting to see where that where that comes back to because they're not going to kill off Oswald. No, um, they can't. So it'll be very interesting to see how they bring it back and they bring him back. But I want to go back to David Mazzo for a second, too. Um, you know, it's one of those things, like I said, this show has definitely helped him to hone his craft and, and get better at that. Uh, back last season of uh, the second season of the showcast, we spoke to Fox's rep and Fox's rep came back and said, we can get you an interview with somebody from Gotham, but you have to choose. I can get you Aaron Richards or I can get you David Mazzo. And we chose Aaron Richards because David Mazzo was a relative unknown at that point. And, uh, you know, we didn't know how it would be speaking to a kid. So we chose the the lesser of two. Well, not the lesser of two, but the easier of the two. And I kind of regret that decision now. Not because Aaron Richards wasn't awesome, because she was. But I just, knowing how David Mazzo has become on this show, I really wish I could have spoken with him. Yeah. I mean, hopefully that, that we still have that opportunity sometime yeah, in the future. Yeah, I kind of so. hope so, too. I mean, again, I I think even though this ended on a very big high note for us, I think it's still the right call right now for us to say we're going to take a break with the show until summertime because, again, um, things are picking up with these other shows. We're going to be starting to getting into the whole, you know, 
massive pickup moments before we get to the end of the seasons. So I, I think it, it just is the right call when that show does return in April that um, we push that aside. And then we can, you know, go through because even if the show is kind of a mixed ball, but has a really strong finish, we still want to talk about it because you and me will still be watching. Yeah, yeah. It'll just be nice and it won't be as big of a priority uh, mm-hmm. as everything else. Like we can kind of watch it as our own at our own pace now. Right. It's not required watching. Uh, I want to jump to Powerless before we go into the other four shows, if that's all right. Yeah, I think that's actually a wise move. Uh, just because I, I, I feel it'll probably be a quick discussion. It's something we gave uh, – we both gave a sidekick. Uh, and we talked a little bit about this before uh, – you know, as we said, as after it aired, we, we kind of were texting back and forth about this. Um, and I'll give my thoughts on it too. One of the reasons why I gave it a sidekick was because I – and again, I explained this last week that I give any show three episodes. One, because the pilot tries to catch you. The second episode is not always as strong. And then the third episode is when it's supposed to arc back up. So I'm hoping that's what we get to because the second episode was not as strong as the pilot. And the pilot, to be honest, wasn't that strong either. It was strong enough, but it could have been better. Right. Um, so I, I love the fact that we're still getting references. There were still a number of one-liners, but... To me, the humor, because it is a sitcom, so it's supposed to be humor um, in the show. It's meant to be funny, not dramatic. The humor wasn't there this week. No, it really wasn't. And it, it actually it seemed forced. I uh, Actually, I think the best thing I saw was, uh, I don't know if you, uh, if, if anybody here that listens has read IGN's review of the second episode, but the main character, Emily, at one point has to watch a... Uh, a, a bull, anti-bullying video in the workplace. Um, and a six-hour-long video. A six-hour-long <laughs> video, and uh, she had to watch it for 24 hours. So she had to do four runnings of it, and then she's kind of losing her mind by the end of it. And uh, the IGN review is that watching the second episode was probably <laughs> exactly what it felt like to that character to go through 24 hours of the anti-bullying. Uh, it was painful. Yeah. And they were like, we know that feels harsh, but... Let's look at the reasons why, and I'm like, and I agreed with every one of them. And I think the big thing that me and Ben came away from was our conversation Thursday night. Basically, was to saying to each other, you know, this has such a phenomenal, pre- like, you know, like, you know, whole idea behind the show. Like the premise behind Powerless is wonderful, uh, and the cast is brilliant. It is one of the best casts assembled for a sitcom I've, that I've thought of in a long time. And it's not taking advantage of either of them. Um, this feels like every other workplace comedy. And, you know, their their biggest connection to anything with, you know, the DC Universe was the Superhero Fantasy fantasy League. And that could have been done in any show. Like, you, there's nothing holding back Big Bang Theory from going through a website and saying, hey, we're going to talk about who do you think would win based off of this. And they're basing it off of what's happening in the comic books. And that's that's all it was. And if you remove that, there was barely a connection. There was barely well, a connection. To the uh, one of the universe. things I one of the things I will pride this show on, and and so far it's utilized it very well in the first two episodes, is the fact that this show is a is a great opportunity for DC to get these really, really, really lesser known characters that you don't even know who they are until they're mentioned in the show, brought to the public eye. Um, you know, immediately we go back to that video, that six hour long bully, anti-bullying video where the host of that, the guy that's in that is Dr. Evilo. And I looked up Dr. Evilo cause I had never heard of Dr. Evilo before. And you know, it is a legit DC character. 
Crimson Fox and Jack-O-Lantern. Never heard of either one of them before or legit DC characters. So they're mm-hmm. bringing them to the public. They're bringing them to the forefront of DC. And there'd be no other opportunity to ever do this. Right. So I will give the show credit that it does do that very well. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like, we, we just saw Jack-O-Lantern in the very beginning of the episode. But it feels almost like they're not allowed to touch anything else like, except within reference. I mean, I, I think I remember reading about the show a little bit, and they were not allowed to use characters that are being used elsewhere. And unfortunately, based off of what's happening, like, as far as on-screen you know, presence, that makes it very difficult for them. That really is going to make it a very difficult task. Like, we even saw Jack Lantern yet again in the very beginning. And when that happened, there was a part of me that's like, I don't know how I feel about this already. This is... Uh, this is kind of scaring me just a little bit that they're going to constantly like every time we we deal with Charm City, it's going to be, hey, look, it's Crimson Fox and Jack-O-Lantern. And I'm like, all right, you're I know you guys have a lot that you can work with or you may not have a lot you can work with, but I don't think this is going to work as your framing device. Yeah. Um, so I really hope that they kind of shake that a little bit. I mean, the fact that we even got Starro in the first episode. If Starro is the big bad of Charm City, do it up. Just play with that because at least it's some, something a little bit more than like a D-list character that you can throw into the mix. Um, you know, Starro was one of the first big ba- big bads that the Justice League ever fought. So, but Starro was also killed. But, but Starro's also come back a thousand and one times, so oh, it's okay. okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, so I think that, but I mean, like we didn't even get a lot of fun banter about heroes this week um which i think could have helped a little bit but there's not a lot happening in the show every one of these things feels like something that's happened on any other sitcom i've watched and it was all tropes and they need to get away from that fast they really have to show why this is different yeah i'm I'm looking forward to next week's episode too um i'm already kind of disappointed because there's no superheroes listed in the in the credits at all so we're not even going to see jack-o'-lantern or crimson fox or anything the only thing that gets me slightly excited and it's not nearly enough to make me like super excited uh is corbin burnson is in next week's episode as van's father Hmm. so obviously he's a wayne and not thomas because thomas is dead but uh, i guess he's supposed to be thomas's brother okay possibly i don't know or maybe brother-in-law who knows um, but yeah, so I don't know. I, I'm still going to give it like, I think we said five episodes, uh, six, I think we six. said six. Okay. Cause that basically breaks down to, you know, the three episode bubble for like the, uh, the main shows that we watch as far as time. So it's a wait and see, but again, like, you know, one of the things that we kind of talked about too via text this week was the whole idea of sitcoms are tricky. If it gets picked up for a second season, it gives them time to retool. You think about Community, uh, Parks and Rec, Big Bang Theory, all of them were thought to have very, very shaky, if not generally bad first seasons. Um, like the concept wasn't really ironed out until midway through season one, season two. NBC also is usually really good when they think they have something on their hands, finding the right way to retool it. Uh, I think that this was something like, uh, you know, ABC. I don't think you would see that as much. Like they tried that with the Muppets. And the second half of the season of The Muppets was actually really good. The first half was a train wreck. Yeah. Um, and But it was too little too late, so you're really hoping Powerless doesn't fall under the same thing. I'd love to see the show succeed. It has the ability to. They have the right group of people there. It's just maybe not the right writers. So, yeah. 
We'll see. I mean, it's a 10-episode series, so we're giving it a little bit more than halfway to kind of prove itself. And uh, Yeah. We'll see where it goes. You know? Yeah, I, I, I'm going to watch regardless as far as how long as it's on the air. I will continue to watch because I really want to do an annual of this to talk about the best gadgets. Uh, no, that would be fun. Because uh, I think it would just be fun to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's get into the meat of the podcast and talk about the other four shows that we usually talk about. Starting off first with, <clears throat> uh, excuse me, Supergirl at season two, episode eleven, The Martian Chronicles. A white Martian called Armek comes to National City with the intention of bringing McGann back to Mars to be punished for her treason. Um, we both gave this one a legend. So um, here. Uh- yeah, no, did we go? I thought we said hero. Did we go hero? Or maybe we did. I think we went high hero. High I thought hero. we went legend. Maybe we didn't. I don't mm. know. <laughs> <It's one> of, <laughs> I don't remember. It's one of those days. It's too early in the morning. Um, <clears throat> as it's 11 o'clock in the morning. Uh-huh. Uh, but I mean, it, yeah, we mentioned it when we were talking about it. David Harrowood is phenomenal in this episode. Um, I love every time we get to see the emotion that comes out of him because it's... I'm, I'm trying to think of a good way to describe it. Um, but I was happy we got to see Martian Manhunter again as well. So that's something I, I feel like we haven't seen in a while. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. Let's, uh, I'm trying to think of, <laughs> I'm trying to think of like a proper way to break this down because yeah, like you did mention in, you know, in the beginning when we were going over the bullet points, uh, very big thing reference in this one, even down to the fire this time around, uh, you know, when 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 um, John was talking about like the fire would bring it out. And I was I'm immediately thinking, I'm like, um, this is oddly familiar, uh, both to the show and to the thing, which but I didn't mind it because I love the thing. So it's it didn't bother me one bit that they used it. Yeah, I mean, like I said, we saw them play with the thing uh, concept back on the Parasite episode, almost to the T. This was even more on the nose than that was. And as you mentioned, yeah, I have zero problem with it because it's one of my favorite, um, you know, old school horror sci-fi films. So, but I think, uh, I think, uh, memory serves correctly, I think we did say Legend just because, primarily because straight up because David Harewood. Um, That's what I thought. I thought we gave it a Legend. Yeah, you were right. I was, I have Medicine Head, so I'm good. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, I, I think the best way kind of to talk about this episode was I, I think we just need to focus on him first. I mean, Kara's stuff was because it was her Earth birthday and she, she's got some jealousy going on between Alex and Maggie's relationship and worried what's going to happen with that. But the real focus, I mean, right up to everything was very much her, uh, you know, just her dealing with that jealousy and realizing she has a thing for mon uh, You know, outside of that, not a lot really happened with Supergirl this week. Um and it was good because of I really did give Harewood a chance to shine again. Uh, they've been building back up on that angle with him and just watching him and McGann, you know, share time together is been really fantastic to watch. I really love watching the two of them together. And it's it makes me sad knowing that that's getting cut short for at least some time this season. Yeah, that was a bummer to me, too, when when to find out at the end of the show that she was leaving to go back to Mars. Yeah, Um you know, because we were under the intention that, you know, there was going to be some kind of budding relationship between the two. And, you know, even, you know, Jean admits how he feels about McGann, which is a huge difference considering at the beginning of last week, he thought of her nothing as a war prisoner. And like now he's come to realize very quickly his emotional attachment to her. Mm-hmm. 
So, uh, yeah, I was kind of bummed to see that that was going to um, that was coming to an end too. But jumping back real quick to you know Kara and Alex and the, the relationship too, I will say one thing about this episode that kind of confused me a little bit. And I, um, the bare naked lady still tore. <laughs> yeah, you can definitely <laughs> tell this is a piece of fiction. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so when, when, when you know Alex said that yeah, you know the Maggie got her ticket to the bare naked ladies, I'm like, wait, well, what? I'm like, I didn't know they were still together. I knew someone. They got us VIP tickets because they that was really only a $2 bump up in ticket price. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Aren't all tickets technically VIP when you can get that close to the stage? Come on. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to anybody who's a fan of the Bare Naked Ladies. Uh, we only poke fun. Yes, yeah. We we really don't don't mean any malice in no, that. No, but no, that, no. That's, that's actually – that just made my day. Wow, I just got an email. We will never have the bare naked ladies on our podcast. <laughs> but no, I, I really think, you know, like what we're still seeing with Maggie and Alex has been very strong. And I, I think Kara is still kind of shaken to her core a little bit as a character in this show. Um, I think they're they're still very afraid of that commitment angle with her. And uh, I think they, this was the writers kind of admitting that almost as well. That is like, we're going to get there. Just. We we want to make sure we handle this with care. Uh, yeah. That's kind of the message I felt like I got from this episode. Um, but, I mean, like, again, we go into the DEO. We go into full lockdown mode when we find out there's a white Martian in their midst that is impersonating everybody. And we find out a little bit more about the white Martians that uh, when they do steal uh, a person's uh, ability as far as their look, they also have a mental connection. So they know exactly what those people are thinking and the emotions that they have. Which uh, makes for, as you put it, this amazing version of the thing we get to see on the small screen. And it worked so well because seeing this evil version of Alex and Wynn was a lot of fun. I really, really loved seeing that. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, no, it was just Harewood's ability to just emote so well throughout this episode. He's been the show's secret weapon for such a long time. And when they use him properly, it really shows. He's kind of become like their all-purpose character that can help them get through so much. But he feels like he plays so much double duty, like he is their show's Tom Cavanaugh, and it's working. Every time that they really work with him and say, this is the realm of what he can give us on the show, and these are the reasons why we can tap into those things, they're proving time and time again that they know how to write Martian Manhunter incredibly well. And I want to see them continue to do this, because not having him hardcore in the mix has been a little bit disappointing this season. The last couple episodes have really shown that he's, I think, going to be a force to be reckoned with for the rest of the season. Yeah. And if anything, too, one of the other things that it shows about this show, which I really like, is the fact that even though it is titled Supergirl, Supergirl is the main character. Uh, it's one of those things where it it, it, show, it proves that the show, she can take a backseat to the story and the show is still just as strong. Uh, you know, like we, we can see her take a backseat to the story and we can push a forward, uh, push forward a story like the story with Jean and McGann and the show can still perform just as well. Like it doesn't have to focus on her all the time. So, yeah. which I think we've seen a little bit more out of Arrow, uh, lately with some of that. We've seen some of the storylines where Oliver is kind of taking a backseat. Uh, even some storylines lately with The Flash where, you know, Barry is taking a backseat to everything, which is one of the, I think the, the key strengths to a lot of these shows. Yeah, I mean, their supporting cast for all these shows have been phenomenal, and they, they make sure that these shows can continue to work without their leads. Like, we had, like, Legends had the biggest shake-up the season with saying, hey, here's a huge chunk of the new cast, and in addition to it, we're going to remove fan favorites as well, and the show still succeeds. 
I mean, it's every one of these shows can make these these things work, and it's because of such great casting. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. Um, looking through, um, looking through some of the recap of the episode, trying to think if there's anything else that we need to talk about. I think we covered for the most part most of it. Uh, I, I think the only last big part that we have to mention here is Alex kind of gets Kara to officially admit that she does indeed have a thing for Monel, uh, and then we stretch on the drama of that just a little bit when she goes back to Catco. And we see Monel dressed as Mike, walking around and getting ready to go out on a date with Miss Tessmacher. With Miss Tess- Tessmacher, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then Carl walks down the hall and goes, Miss Tessmacher! <laughs> and then the episode ends. Um, but yeah, no, so we see her kind of puss out a little bit as far as uh, that situation. So they can extend that plot thread for a couple other episodes, I'm sure, uh, before they finally say, hey, they're going to get together. And then season three will start. And she's like, nope, we're breaking up. Yeah. Um, hopefully they don't go that angle so uh, but yeah I, I think all in all uh solid episode here and again I, I i can't wait to see mcgann moore's miss martian come back and i think it was great the fact that we heard john actually refer to her as miss, miss martian in this episode yeah so uh looking forward into next week's episode episode 12 titled luther's lena is arrested when metallo breaks lillian out of prison so next week we're going to see the the return of metallo uh the john corbin and... metallo and even more exciting than that, in the preview that we saw for the episode, you see Lex's power armor. Oh my god, I want to see that on the show. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. gonna we're gonna see. Uh, thank you for telling me about that because now I'm gonna go through and watch the preview because I haven't watched it yet. Mm-hmm. So yep, we no. definitely see see a shot of the power armor. It's the first time we've ever seen the power armor in live action. So awesome. this is gonna be kind of cool. I don't think obviously I think it, we saw it shown in a case. So. Um, it makes me wonder because they keep giving these little nods, and that's how Rachel Ghoul came to be an arrow. Maybe they're going to say we need Lex, and uh, I think DC might oblige. We'll oh, that'd be awesome. Hey, they obliged for Superman, so they did. We'll see. Hey, it'd be, oh, dude, how cool would it be if they brought back Michael Rosenbaum? Oh, that would be awesome. That would be I, really I cool. I wouldn't put it past the show. I really wouldn't put it no, past the that show. That would be. I mean, the show has brought back so many people from previous iterations of of Superman and Supergirl. Why not bring back Michael Rosenbaum? Well, we're we have one to talk about definitely in the uh, in the news. Yes, that we do. Is a, somebody coming back from Superman lore. So yes, we do. Uh, let's move forward though and talk about the Flash season three, episode twelve, uh, untitled "Untouchable." A criminal metahuman is causing people to decompose at an accelerated rate. Um, f- hero, I think. Across the board, yes. yeah. Hero. Hi, hero hi, hero. Yeah. Um, on this one, um, so I mean, obviously the 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 episode starts off on an empty street with Barry and Wally uh, about to race each other because this is another training session in which Barry needs to he he's got to gear Wally up he's got to get him ready for this which um, oh you know what real quick I I need to take a step back um, I can't remember if it was Shad or. Jackson, but going back to Supergirl, um, oh no, it wasn't either one of them. We received it in a message, uh, and I'll tell you in a second who it was from. But there was a possible theory going back to two weeks ago on Supergirl that with the scene where uh, Wynn says to J- James, you know, you were shot, you know, my armor was, was shot. Um, <clears throat> this is something that it's a good theory that that possibly means Wynn may go back to the drawing board on this costume for Guardian. Uh, which means when we get an upgrade, we might get the blue and gold. 
that would be amazing that that would come to uh but that was from kevin he sent that to us in a message uh kevin hollenbeck was the one that brought that to us so i wanted to give some credit to that before we moved forward but before i forgot about it anyway let's jump back to the flash um so yeah so we see barry training wally again uh to get him fast enough for everything which i find i was almost kind of thrown for a second when i in that opening scene because they're talking about like how wally needs to get faster they never mention why and it's because joe is in star labs at the time so but it took me a second to realize i'm like okay wait a minute he never said why he needs to get faster he just said he needed to get faster yeah so but i mean in that regards this is an episode where all cards are now on the table because joe does know about iris's potential future and a very understandable reaction from him i know um I know a couple of people actually like in, in person that have been like, man, it's kind of weird seeing Joe not being as buddy buddy with uh, Barry. Feels like we're going back to the pilot version of Joe where he was a little bit more harsh. Um, but this year, there was a good reasoning for that. I, I think uh, we really got to see it was fatherly love and concern. But I love when everything kind of does wrap together in this episode. It's Team Flash all on board together for the first time in a long time. Like, yeah. There's nothing being hidden. Which is good. I'm glad to see that we're back to this point. And now with Julian in the mix, uh, you know, so much is happening with this cast and the show, and they're evolving in such a strong way. But this is kind of like I think the same lesson we got from Arrow this season, where it's like no more secrets. This is this is what's going down. And now like, again with Joe in the mix and understanding what's going to happen with Savitar, very interesting to see. But something that came out of this episode, though, uh, and I know we're jumping all over the place, and then we'll get back to the the main nitty gritty. We usually but, do. Yeah. Um, is it me or did it, does it feel like they're setting up Joe to be the death at this point? Um, I didn't pick up on that, to be honest. Um, I'd be very disappointed if that's the case. Well, there's two things here that we have to kind of look at and break down a little bit. There's that very quick moment at the end where it's kind of like, you know, Barry sits down and talks to Joe at the end of the episode. and He's like, hey, you know, uh, you know, this whole prophecy of this death, that's Iris, right? And he's like, yeah, yeah. And then you think about that that little drawing on on their their whiteboard of it's kind of a Joe West honored at City Hall. What if it's because he died in the line of duty? I didn't even think of that. Yeah, that's kind um, of yeah. I didn't even think of that, and now I'm kind of um already bummed. Yeah, I, I really, really hope that's not the case. Uh, I, I don't see how this. Yeah, the show can survive without him, but it feels like if they were to do that, I'd be a little disappointed in the show because it's every season they're taking a a uh, family figure away from Barry, and I think they can't keep doing that. I think that's kind of like you can't keep killing Black Canary on Arrow. You can't keep killing Barry's parental figures. It's that should not be a crutch. Yeah, and I really hope they don't do that because I don't want to see him and Iris and Wally all have to deal with that fallout next season. Yeah. Uh, not just because I don't think it could make for some great dramatic moments from these actors, because I think it could, but I don't want to see it because I, I don't want to retread familiar ter- territory again. Um, and now we'll see somebody like Wally make the mistakes that Barry did, because it very much could happen, and I don't want to feel like we're constantly repeating plot threads on the show. No, I agree with that. I mean, and like you said, it's it's something where, you know, he's lost a fatherly figure every season. And this time around, though, the only difference would be it would strike team-wide. Uh, you know, Joe would be a huge loss, not just to Barry, but to Iris, to Wally, to Cisco, to Caitlin, to, to pretty much that whole team. 
Man, the Flash, the, the Flash show likes to kill people. It is the Game of Thrones of the DC shows. <laughs> I, I swear to God. You go back to season one, we lost. We lost Robbie. We lost Rick. Well, yeah, I'm sorry. We lost, <laughs> we lost, we lost Eddie. Eddie. Um, yeah, we lost Eddie. We lost um, Ronnie. Ronnie. Uh, yeah, we, so. Season two, we lose Henry. You know, we lose. Now, and if they set up something big, you know, it's like, hey, the Irish death. But we know somebody's going to die. Uh, it's like casket watch all over again. It no. is. <laughs> it is like casket watch, except this is like, what do we call this one? This uh, is, I think, casket watch the reckoning. I, I swear. <laughs> um, I, I have a feeling casket watch is coming back. And I think we're going to have to talk about that on the flash because I think they're really starting to do some major setup that there's a death coming. But flash is also one of those shows that's very quick and doesn't, um, doesn't shy away from bringing characters back either. Uh, that's true. You know, we did see Eddie come back. Um, we were going to see Ronnie come back. Uh, we're going to see Eddie come back again somehow. So, um, characters are maybe, and uh, I mean, look at, um, you know, we saw Henry go, but Henry is technically back as Jay. So, I mean, it's, they kill off actors, but they never shy away from bringing them back for something else. Yeah. So, which is good. Um, a couple of things. One thing in particular I want to talk about with this that I really saw come about this episode, and I really enjoyed it. It's, it was a highlight of the episode for me. Um, is the relationship. Um, and when I say relationship, I don't mean like boyfriend-girlfriend relationship. I just mean like the budding relationship between two people. Uh, between Julian and Caitlin. Uh, you know, this is something that has come around to a completely different level, whereas, you know, when the, the two of them... When he first found out about Caitlyn and her Killer Frost abilities, like, he wanted her shut down. She's a meta. She needs to go away. She's a monster. And in this episode, he's actually the encouraging force behind her to use her abilities for good. You know, to help Iris and, and stop the decay in Iris's arm. So I, it's, it's a, such a turnaround between these two characters that I love seeing that he's almost like a support system for her now. Like, it's, he's one of the people, he's one of the main driving forces behind her not turning evil. Yeah. And I think, you know what, I think we are going to potentially see a romantic uh, entanglement between the two of them. And I think I, it, it would work. I think their, their chemistry on screen is actually really one of the great new things that's happening this season. So I would really love to see that continue. But I love the fact that we we get a little moment of them like, let's you want, want to go get a drink? And I'm like, yeah, let's do it up. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Tom Felton, I'm loving in the show. And I, I hope he is here to stay. Um, he is such a strong new addition to this cast. Yeah, I think he's fantastic. And I, I'm really enjoying it. And I can't wait till I can uh, I can tweet to Danielle Panabaker, uh, Caitlin and Draco sitting in a tree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do it bad, bad joke. No audience. It, it doesn't work really well. <laughs> we add a laugh track. It's going to be fine. <laughs> We're not adding a laugh track. Uh, but yeah, that's I mean, I'm really enjoying the relationship that's coming between the between the two of them. And I thought that really the presence of that was really strong in this episode. And that was one of the highlights for me. Yeah. So, um, talking... Oh, you know what? There, oh, there is one other thing we have to bring up. I definitely have to bring up the death of Julio Mendez. Oh yeah, and Earth One man is uh, so we we have seen him in Flashpoint, but uh, yeah, Julio Mendez, jazz singer or jazz, or jazz drummer, I believe, um, over here on uh, Earth One uh, gets killed. So that was kind of I was cool to see them bring the actor back yet again, but uh, yeah, I was kind of bummed when they killed him. I'm like, no, not Julio, and I'm like, but it's okay. There's a vast multiverse out there. I would love to see 
that version of, of that character when we jump over to see Jay. That would be kind of really awesome if we ever get to spend a little bit more time, bit, bit more time on Jay's like Earth three and see him and Julio still palling together. That would be awesome. That would so. be pretty cool. Um, jumping to Julian again, uh, one of the other things that I, I like that they did with this episode, and it's almost very Felicity esque from Arrow. Um, you know, with uh, with Felicity still dealing with Haven Rock, uh, which com- does come up a little bit more in this episode uh, of Arrow, but we'll get to in a little bit. Um, Julian is still suffering from the consequences of him having been. Um, why do I keep her, Doctor Doctor Alchemy? Uh, in which the the meta that we do meet this week is somebody that Dr. Alchemy did bring forward. So, um, you know, he he's still having to deal with the issues of having been Dr. Alchemy at one time. So I feel like this is something hopefully that they're going to continue with because I do... I don't mean it in a negative sense, but I do like seeing struggles of this um, because it makes it more realistic. You know, like, this isn't something you're just going to shake off and wake up one morning and say, like, you know what? I was Dr. Alchemy, but now I'm fine. Yeah, I, I think that it's like we're seeing a lot now with, with the character growth here. And it, it's been really interesting to see them actually really work inside the storylines that they're working and making these characters kind of become something new uh, and really just evolving them. And I think this was a great, uh, great catalyst for this. So I'm looking forward to seeing them explore this. We know we have one more uh, husk out there, um, as we hear Julian mentioned. So... It's just a question of who that's going to be, when that's going to come into play. So, yeah, looking forward to seeing that play out. Uh, and, of course, one final thing I want to mention before we move on, and then if you have anything else that we uh, we might have forgotten. But we see uh, Wally learn a new ability this week, and now he can phase as well, like Barry. Uh, and I have to say, on the, on the topic of phasing, uh, the fact that Barry can phase an entire train that was awesome. That was really cool. <laughs> that was really, really awesome. So it would suck for anybody who didn't. Oh, no, I guess it wouldn't because they were tech, anybody on that train was technically touching the train at any point, whether you're standing or sitting. Um, you're technically touching it. So you would phase with it. But I'd say if anybody was like not touching the train at any point and didn't phase, that would suck. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that was really cool that he was able to phase an entire train to go through the rubble, which was cool. So, uh, anything else that we, we need to bring up on the flash before we move forward? Uh, yeah, that little, uh, stinger at the end of the episode is a big one. Yeah, that's uh, true. <laughs> it's true. We, we see a breach open up in star labs and who comes out in the last second of the show, but Jesse quick coming and Wally being giddy as hell to see her again. And she comes with a message that Harry has been kidnapped by gorillas. So we are heading to earth too, folks. Yes. Well, are we going to Earth 2 or are we going to – because where is Gorilla City? Earth 2. Uh, we, we do know that, indeed, uh, this is going to be two-part uh, two-parter uh, for Gorilla City. Uh, we are going to go to Earth 2, and then they are going to come back to Earth 1. Uh, so that prophecy continues because um, that is one of the things is City still reeling from Gorilla Attack. Uh, that is another one on their board that they're looking at. And I still love that they're doing that Rip Hunter board, basically. I love it. It makes me so giddy. Um, but yeah, we know for a fact that we're there, we got our cast heading over to Earth 2, and then they'll be coming over to Earth 1. So, Speaking of the board, one thing we didn't mention, too, is one of the headlines came to fruition this week. Uh, the Luigi's reopens after attack. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so. Which was one of the ones that I had brought up that we were curious as to what that meant. And now we know that's actually one of the first ones we're finding out about. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it'll be very interesting. Um 
to see how they're going to handle Gorilla City because I can't wait. Mm. I really can't wait. Uh, yeah, because it was one of those things that, you know, it was the after credit, after logo scene, as I call them, the stinger, the end stinger. Uh, we see Wally phasing through wood. You know, he's learned how to do it. We see the the breach open up, and I'm like, oh, who is it? And then Jesse comes through, and I'm like, oh, we get Jesse again. And then she mentions Gorilla City. I was like, oh, yeah, that's next That's next episode. I forgot. So, uh, but, yep, two weeks from now, when The Flash returns with episode three, uh, Barry and the team are traveling to Earth 2 to rescue Harry from Gorilla City. So uh, that's going to be – oh, actually – uh, who they're captured and brought to Grodd, who claims he needs to ha- needs their help to stop Solivar. So we're going to get Solivar. Well, we're going to get the voice of Solivar next week. Mm-hmm. Well, oh, no, if he's animated, then we'll see. We'll see Solivar. Because yeah, I'm looking yeah. at the cast, and it just because it all David. Yeah. So yeah. Keith David is. Um... He's played Solivar. Yeah, I'm just looking to see what other stuff he's done, and uh, he's he's he was in the thing, and I recognize the guy. Oh yeah, so yeah. You, he's he's an actor you'd recognize if you saw. Him. Uh, if not, you'll recognize his voice in an instant. The yeah, moment you hear it, and you're like, oh, it's Keith David. Yeah, pretty so. much. Uh, let's move forward and talk about Legends of Tomorrow Season 2, Episode 11, titled Turncoat. The legends travel to the winter of 1776 to protect George Washington during the American Revolution, but Sarah is forced to send out Nate and Amaya when things don't go as planned. Um, I have to say, right from the start, yet again, another awesome intro, this time from Mick. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like insulting the li- the viewers as they're listening. I think that's my line of the week. Who writes this crap? <laughs> you oh, know what? God. I think that might have actually been my line of the week. I couldn't remember what it was. That is mine. I, when you brought it up, okay, now I remember. And the other one was also from this episode of just Ray holding onto the lights, that little switch, and be like, guys? And it was just quiet. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. I totally forgot at the end of the, the opening intro when he's just like, who writes this crap? <laughs> Dude, yeah, that, I think that's my line of the week as well. He needs to be the narrator for the show for the rest of the season. That would be amazing. <laughs> I like the fact that, again, this is jumping around a lot too, but the Mick always seems to be the character who can actually have a good relationship with any other character. Like, whether it's their butting heads or their buddy-buddy. Like, the relationship he's had with Ray was great. And I liked him with George Washington this week. It's almost like he was the backbone to George Washington in this episode, which you make it, you you know, you make it think it's, it's kind of a horrible, scary thought. But at the end, you know, when George Washington is praising him and saying, like, you are what makes America America, you're like, you realize who he's talking to, right? <laughs> he's talking to Mick, who's a known criminal. So, like, thanks for shining a light on the fact that <laughs> criminals are what make America America. So, but I thought, I mean, granted, I gave this one a hero. It was a high hero, but I, and I did still think the episode was a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, like I said, a lot of fun. I think what was interesting here is we see Nate and Amaya hook up and it kind of, we've seen them flirt quite a bit, but I thought we were going more into the direction of Amaya and Mick. Um, but it does make sense that these two would hook up too, because again, you did see a lot of connection between them, especially in the early parts of the season. Uh, and the the Mick and Amaya stuff really felt like it was only one episode, but it kind of felt like they weren't sure who to ship her with. And uh, but I think Nate, Nate works fine in this context. I think it would have been cool to see her and Mick, though, uh, kind of be the ones to pair off. I think but, it would have been cool. The idea that Mick was actually the grandfather of Vixen. Yeah, that would have been amazing. You know, like um, this serial criminal is actually the god, the grandfather of a hero. 
But I, I think this makes sense because if they do shuffle uh, Nate and Amaya off the ship at the end of the season, I could see him going back to the JSA times and being there with his grandfather for some time and, you know, connecting. Yeah. So I think it could, that could actually work in that context. Right now, I think all signs in my brain when we we're, we think season three, I already see four people getting off the ship. And I think it's going to be uh, Jackson Stein and then probably uh, Amaya and uh, Nate. So it's a you wait think, and see. You think Jackson Stein may leave at the end? I'm wondering because of the connection we're seeing with Martin and Lily and him wanting to go back and spend time with his daughter. I could see that being a big proponent. And if he leaves, Jax has to leave. That's true because so. they do have to go together. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, look, he, he roofied him to get him on the ship. Yeah, it's very true. Um, but I mean, I mean, who knows? Maybe something can happen between now and the end of this season that kind of uh, does save the story, save the timeline a little bit. And, you know, Jax, Jax's father is alive. Anything can happen. Um, yeah. So I mean, with with the stick of destiny, uh, you know, as the we stick did, of destiny. What is it? <laughs> the spear of destiny. The spear of destiny. Well, right now they have a stick of destiny, <laughs> but they're missing many other parts. <laughs> that's of true. Stick. It, that's true. It is just a stick right now. <laughs> so I'm technically not wrong. You're very much correct in your your, your statement. That's for sure. But uh, you know, but once the spear of destiny is fully formed, uh, you know, who's to say that the legends couldn't use it to repair a couple things? Who's to say that it, this is not the reason that the real Laurel Lance does come back? I mean, anything can happen once this spear is assembled. So it's that's very true. Do the legends use it for to repair timelines themselves? I mean, it's it's one of those tricky situations. Is almost like it goes. You know, it stems to the like. You know, if you could tra- time travel, do you kill Hitler? Or you know, if you could go back in time to fix your own timeline, would you do it? And we know the Spear of Destiny is something that it changes reality. It doesn't fix timelines. Like, there's no time remnants. There's nothing with the Spear of Destiny. So who's to say that the Legends couldn't use it for a couple things on themselves before destroying it or be, or breaking it and spreading it out again? Right, that's very true. Uh, I, I think one of the great moments, though, in this episode is just watching the team be without their power set, or most of the team to be absolutely without their power set. I think that was kind of a cool way to see them kind of nerfed from that EMP that wipes out most of their tech. And they're going back to barebone stuff, so really Nate and Vixen are the only ones that are able to kind of function. So I think it was fun, and i got to say again, too, I love watching Rip as a bad guy. Rip Hunter as a bad guy is actually proving to be quite interesting. Yeah, I kind of have to agree with you on that. And that's the reason I gave this a legend, because they were up against so much this week. And then every time that things got too serious, he cut away to Ray shrunken down as a tiny as the tiny version of the Adam <laughs> being chased by a rat. I mean, there was so much to love about and this I, episode. I love the fact that he gives the rat to Mick at the end as a gift. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was so good. Um, but you know what? I Going back to your statement, you know, like where Sarah, you know, we're Sarah and them and we're at their, you know, we're at their. Sarah and Nate were the ones that were kind of like at full strength. I kind of disagree with that a little bit because I think it's more we it wasn't that like Jackson Stein weren't at their full strength because they're they weren't able to to, you know, to form Firestorm. I think it was more we got to see different strengths in them. We got to see Professor Stein as an actual doctor. You know, he did save Sarah's life from from being shot without the help of uh, the Wave Rider. Uh, We got to see Jack's kind of defend himself from the soldiers that were on the ship, uh, as well as 
still help repair the ship a little bit without the without the power. So I think I don't think it was that we didn't see them at full strength. We saw them at different strength. Yeah, and that's very true. This felt like a really great comic. Uh, this episode, like everything about this, felt like that traditional depowered hero comic book, like that great one shot, and it worked on so many levels. I mean, like I said again, it was hard for me not to give it a legend based off of all the fun that they had with this episode, and they really explored that. They moved these characters forward. Uh, like I said, Rip is going to be such a great bad guy for them to come up against constantly being part of the Legion now. Uh, there was so much to fucking love about everything they did here. And then we end up with the world slightly changed with now a statue of Mick Rory in Washington, <laughs> D.C. <laughs> How is amazing great. is that? I it, mean, something is because I just want to see at the end of the season them be in Washington and him just drinking in front of his statue. That would be amazing. I didn't even think about that. Oh, the, the, <laughs> the opportunities are limitless in this show, and they're proving that they are so not afraid to do whatever the hell they want. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, go, you know, you said, too, that it was great seeing Rip as a villain. I mean, and we didn't see him as a villain. We see him as a straight-up, like, mad, like, bad guy. Like, he's – like, he literally snaps Sarah's neck while sitting in the chair. Like, he has no – like, no regret about killing Sarah at all. So, I mean, it's, it is really cool seeing him in that. And it, it's, I, I didn't think I would like it. I do enjoy it. And I'm, I'm hoping that he kind of is like more to the Legion of Doom than just like a lackey that they used under his, under their control. Yeah. I, I think when we talked last week and said, Hey, you know, because we're going to see Rip is a bad guy. And then we know, uh, Snart is coming to the Legion very, very soon. There's shots of him filming, uh, on, on set in the last couple of weeks. So, we know what's right around the bend. So seeing part of their team against them is going to be so much fun. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing how that plays out, especially because where we left Sarah and Snart last season, seeing the threads of that pick back up, um, and then just watching them deal with Rip. This is going to be very interesting. But now, like I said, the Legion does have part of the Spear of Destiny, so they have the Stick of Destiny right now. But... <laughs> Uh, we know where things are going, uh, and especially when we, you get to the synopsis, where we're going to is the Camelot slash 3000 episode coming up. I can't up. wait for this. Oh, God, it sounds so awesome. Uh, but we now know where the uh, show is going to be tilting towards for the last parts of the season. So, yeah, uh, a lot to love here. And, you know, I, I love that moment, though, real quick with uh, Jack steadying his hand from not shooting Rip. And then to Sarah coming up behind him was like, you're not going to do that. Why? Because it's Christmas, sir. Because <laughs> um, that's exactly how that felt. Uh, I think the only moment of this episode I was like, really? No, just shoot the fucker, even if it's in the leg. Just, oh, but yeah, great episode. Absolutely loved it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it was good. I mean, again, I didn't think it was I, I did think it was a lot of fun uh, for some reason just didn't stick out as me as as strong as before. But I mean, that's not to take away from the episode at all. It was still a lot of fun. Totally understand. So, uh, and like you said, next week we get to see Camelot. Next, no, two weeks, not next week. Uh, the legends continue their quest to find the Spear of Destiny before the Legion get their hands on it, and they travel to Camelot, uh, in which they find Stargirl guide, uh, guarding a piece of the spear. Mm-hmm. As so, well, it sounds like we're going to two places. We're going to the year three thousand, and then they're going back to Camelot. Yeah, I think it we're sounds... going to see. I think we're going to see Doctor Midnight in the year three thousand. Right, and then Stargirl. Uh, it sounds like each of the JSA is now holding part of the spear. Uh, so Rip entrusted them each and scattered them through time to protect it. Yeah. So we now know where the JSA have been missing. Uh, and that means they're just scattered through time, just making sure the world stays safe. 
So I think it's a great concept, and I think it's great because now we're going to be able to focus a little bit more full force with each member of the JSA to get to know them a little bit. So I think that's a great way for them to do this. I'm just excited because next in next episode, we get to see King Arthur, Guinevere, and Sir Galahad. Yes, and the legends get to sit with the knights at the round table. I know. That's I can't, kind of awesome. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Uh, let's talk about the last show of the week, that being Arrow. Uh, season five, episode twelve, titled "Bratva," uh, a mission sends. T- I can't do it without, like, without doing a Russian accent. I have to do it when I say "Bratva." I have to say "Bratva." Uh, a mission sends Team Arrow to Russia, where Oliver encounters an old friend. So I gave this one a legend. You gave this one a hero, and I want to go. I want to jump right to the main reason why I gave this one a legend. Um, this is the first time I think in. Out of all five seasons of this show that we've gotten so far, this is the first time in the truest sense we have seen flashback and real and present time combine. This is like again, I said it last week. We get we're we're now getting to the point where we're starting to see the culmination of all these flashbacks. We're now seeing him in the hood. We're seeing him with the arrow. Now we're seeing everything come together with everything with the Bradfa. Um, you know, we see him meet up with Anatoly, who we now know is still alive, so that's a spoiler for the flashbacks. Um, but it's, I like seeing everything come together now. Like, we're getting to that point where he was rescued off the island. We're getting closer and closer to that every week. Yeah. And that's what, like, you know, seeing him in Russia and you know with with Anatoly and everything like seeing literally like there were no flashbacks well i don't there were flashbacks but it was very hard to distinguish this time around because they're in the same location this time yeah you know so i i very much liked the feel of this episode because of that oh yeah i mean like i said i didn't say it was a big back step uh it was just i felt like there was not a lot to move forward the prometheus angle which was something that i just want them to get back to but all in all i still thought the episode was fantastic uh and they took another this show was another show that took another player off the board this week um we'll get to that in a second or two but uh, yeah i really love everything that they've done this season there's not anything in this season really aside from some of the canary stuff that uh that has disappointed me at all i'm really enjoying everything that's been happening um but before we get into the Russia stuff, let's let's go back to Star City real quick because two characters get to spend a lot of time together this season, and they are two of them are now my favorite people on the show. One of them has been for a long time, and Renee being the other one. Um, does Quentin and Renee together? We got to see. Yeah, we got to see the return of Quentin this week, and I loved the version we got of him. It was old school. Quentin is back to the forefront, and he is great. But Renee is such a great character, and I love to know that this week coming, we get his real backstory finally. Uh, I'm really excited to see that because he has become my, I think, my personal fan favorite this season. Like he has been so much fun. Yeah. Uh, but watching these two work together was fantastic. Well, it's it's funny too because like it, what I love about the interaction between these two characters is Renee, and and he does reveal, you know, that he had a hard time growing up, and Quentin was the the officer that was there to kind of help him through it, and you know, he has a lot of respect for Quentin, which is why he's there to make sure he's, you know, this interview goes well and he's staying clean and he's staying sober. Um, but Renee is also one of those characters that just doesn't take shit from anybody, not even Quentin, who's this massive you know force for good and 
you know, I, I just enjoy seeing the fact that, like, Turnabout is fair play and he's trying to help Quentin stay straight. And uh, you're right. I just I love the interaction between the two of them. Yeah. So. Um, Russia. I, yeah. The, well, um, <laughs> yeah. Russia. And uh, we as you mentioned, we get to see a character kind of taken off the board this week, which kind of surprised me. Uh, I didn't think. If there was any player that was taken off the board, it would be him. Uh, and I'm, I don't think it's going to be for good. Uh, well, this is also adding some fuel to the fire that there is actually a sixth uh, CW superhero show in the works. And it would make a lot of sense based off of this move. And that was a mystic show, which was, you know, heroes. But that was going to combine Ragman and Constantine and potentially others. That rumor's been going around for a couple weeks now. And I'm wondering after this move if that's one step closer to that moment happening. Because he's the only one on that team, aside from the new Canary, that is really a meta. And it might be a right move. And especially because he's kind of mystical, too. But is he a meta? Well, he's a mystic. He's a mystic. He's not a meta, because meta would mean that he has the powers. But with him, it's the rags. Right, but like he's the one thing, one of these things is not like the other with uh, Team Arrow. And well, not having, anymore because Dinah's a, a meta. Well, yeah, but I mean, I mean, again, though, it's it's that fact that magic is kicking around on the show, yeah. and for them to take that off the board because people are very used to the meta angle in the CW universe. Um, but right now, he's the only one really active, aside from when we saw Damian Dark and like Rachel Ghoul. Um, so if they were to pull Constantine and him together on a show, and then maybe bring in somebody like Jason Blood, Zatanna, something like that. Wouldn't that be amazing? That would be because, awesome. Um, because they're building that. They they have that there built. It would be um, it would be awesome and stressful at the same time. <laughs> because that would mean we are up to seven six. shows. Well, if we six, include Powerless. Yeah, but I, I have a feeling when we're going to have to make another hard call when Black Lightning kicks into the that's mix. what I mean. So. That would that would make us. It, we would be we would be at six shows for the DC universe for the right. core DC. Which means there are six shows that we have to do. Which means Powerless and Gotham are getting dropped. I'm sorry. Like, as even if Powerless becomes like a a sensational smash, we just can't do it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And if like Gotham is like, this is the best show to ever air on TV by like, you know, the end of the season and then next season and it continues to just kick ass. (laughs) Unless we see David Mizzou running around as Batman, I don't think we'll have time and the ability to cover it. We can do annuals, but there's no way we can cover weekly. Oh, I know. It it would be it would be difficult. We're already going to be cutting back conversation on all the shows once the other once Black Lightning. And if this other show comes to fruition, (laughs) conversations are already going to be cutting short. Yeah, we're going to be talking three-hour episodes. I know some of you guys would be like, yes. And I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, us who have to record it, no. So, uh, But yeah, but getting back to, you know, getting back to Arrow and everything. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious to see where they're going to go with it, whether or not he's going to return to Arrow or if, like you said, this is going to be something that uh, is setting up yet another DC television show. Yeah, it's a wait and see. But it, it was cool to see him, uh, you know, kind of be like, I'm not going to let another Haven Rock happen. It, we get that nice moment between him and Felicity. And then, uh, yeah, it, it just ended with him wrapping his rags around this nuclear bomb and it sapping all the power out of the suit. So, yeah, if you think about it, too, I mean, with the exception of 
actually, I don't even think there's any exception. I think he's the only one we actually see in costume this week. Because, uh, I mean, Oliver and Dinah and everybody else are wearing masks, but they're yeah. not their masks. They're just like ski masks. So uh, he's the only one we actually see in costume this week. That's very true. So I did like a lot of the humor that came out of it, as in, like, you know, hoping that he wasn't radioactive uh-huh. after after doing that. So, but yeah, I mean, it, it it was a very different feel to the episode this week as we didn't see, with the exception of Ragman, we didn't see anybody in costume. Uh, you know, we didn't see Wild Dog at all um, uh, doing anything other than with Quentin, uh, which, again, we really enjoyed. So it's, it, there's nothing saying to that at all. Uh, it was a very different feel, and I, I really enjoyed it because it showed that, you know, again, it shows the strength of the show. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then, like I said, we, we see Diggle and Felicity kind of tapping into some dark territory in this episode a little bit, and then uh, seeing the light before the end of the episode. So it was. I think it's interesting seeing this side of Felicity kind of coming out, and I think we're going to continue to see her messing around with Helix, um, which I think is going to cause some questionable stuff. We saw her uh, pretty much blackmail a family man at, the t- at a dinner tonight, you know, a- a- during the episode. It's kind of just to make sure they got what they needed and what they wanted. So I think this is kind of a cool direction for her character because she's still showing to be the quirky Felicity, but making some very difficult, hard calls. Yeah, So yeah, exactly. Um, very big moment at the end of the episode, the stinger leading into next week. Uh, but before we get into that, is there anything else that we need to kind of focus on this week? I'm sure there's stuff that we're forgetting, and I know there are some of our listeners that will bring it up. Like I know Anne is a big uh, – um, big fan of Arrow, like so, and she always comments every week. So, and if, if if we're forgetting anything, please feel free to to mention it. Um, but anything else before we mention that that final moment of the episode? Uh, well, we see Ollie's reporter uh, girlfriend. I can never remember her name. Uh, but uh, we see that she's getting more it's, uh, knowledge Susan. now. Susan, yeah. Susan now has got more knowledge and kind of putting together the pieces of the puzzle that uh, Ollie is Green Arrow. Well, that was what I was so, talking about uh-huh. at the final moment of the episode. So I think beyond that, though, I think it was, a, you know, it was a kind of a by the numbers episode, uh, but that does not mean anything bad about the show. No, uh, not at all. A, it was a very, very solid episode. Uh, I just want to see them get ready to get back to Prometheus. That's the only thing for me right now that I'm just waiting on. Um, but, yeah, it was uh, the interactions we got to see with the team this week. I think were some of the strongest we've seen in quite a while, um, I would say, especially between the, the main three core. It's nice to see John back into the mix now, now that they got him out of prison yet again this season. Um, and uh, that we know that story is now officially wrapped. Um, and then again, the, the angle with Felicity, I think, is going very strong. But I love to see uh, Arrow, like, you know, the Arrow core kind of get to spend some time together on screen because it feels like it's been a while since we got a good solid moment between the three of them. Yeah. Uh, we have seen Thea MIA for a couple weeks now, too. Mm-hmm. So I'm very... um, I believe she is back in uh, this coming week. Uh, she is. Yes, I'm looking at the cast for next week's episode, too. Uh, but it looks like next week as well, we're, uh, again, away from the Prometheus storyline. So hopefully uh, very soon we're going to be getting back into that because we're, we're getting towards the we're getting pretty far into the episode into the season. Like we're past the halfway point at this point. Mm-hmm. So. It'd be interesting to see. Um, yeah, it's you know what? It's going to be two weeks at least before we're going to see. Because uh, the week after that is the um, the China White Cupid and Liza Warner episode. Yay. No, <laughs> please. Giving that stop. A, are you giving that a sidekick already? 
Oh, it's got to do something really special. It's got to be really I'm good. Not, I'm not seeing Prometheus for a while, actually. Um, I'm up to episode 17 at this point, and I don't see Prometheus listed. So maybe we're not going to see him again till close to the end, which would kind of suck. I think they're going to get back on track. I think we might start seeing some stingers at the end of the episodes to kind of show what he's been up to. Okay. But I think it's I think it's coming. I yeah. do think it's coming. Uh, but next week's episode, Spectre of the Gun, uh, in which you mentioned we're going to get to see some flashbacks of how Renee became Wild Dog. So, which I'm looking forward to that too. It's going to be fun. So, uh, but yeah, but that's going to wrap it up for the episodes for this week. So let's go into the DC Essentials part where we talk about some recommendations and the news for the week. Not a lot of news. No, very light. Very, very Um, light. Um, We're just going to tap into TV real quick. Uh, There is a story we missed from a couple weeks back, and that is just our bad. Um, This is, I think, when Shad was on. But we forgot to report that Terry Hatcher is joining season two of Supergirl in a mysterious role. We don't know what it's going to be, but we know she's going to be making several appearances. It sounds like she could potentially be the big bad of season two. That's what I Uh, thought, too. I thought she was supposed to be a villainous character. Yes. Uh, So it sounds like there's a high chance she is actually playing the main big bad. So I have a feeling she's got major ties to Cadmus. Um, But uh, they they need to uh, introduce her soon. Definitely it would have to be soon if she is going to be the big bad. So I'm really looking forward to uh, the fact that yet again, another classic character from the Superman mythos and shows because she came from Lois and Clark, New Adventures of Superman from ABC from back in the day uh, when she played Lois Lane. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what they play with, uh, with, I, uh, with we, her character. We need to do another retro episode on Lois and Clark because mm-hmm. I remember watching that when I was younger and I remember really enjoying that show. Summertime, we, you will do yep. the Silver Age Spectacular Part 2. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we, we, I'm sure we can. I think we can do there is the Human Target show so we can watch Human Target. Uh, the new adventures of uh, Superman, and then uh, we'll we'll dig something else up. Uh, maybe we'll watch the really, really very rough uh, Justice League pilot <laughs> that had uh, Martian Manhunter, Guy Gardner, Green Lantern, and I think it was like Ice. It was in that show. I think it was Fire and Ice. It was a it was an odd, odd, odd show. But so I think we'll we'll have to touch that in the summertime because uh, yeah, that's gonna be a painful one. Yeah. I need some time to mentally prepare, so, and I'm, I'm going to need somebody to come over to my house and clockwork orange me to take my eyelids open and tie me to a chair, and then <laughs> I have a little panic button for when I need to get up, but uh, yeah, that's going to be a rough one. <laughs> so yeah, uh, so uh, moving on, though, into Legends of Tomorrow, as I mentioned beforehand, we do know... That Captain Cold is indeed making his way back very soon. There's a quick shot of him uh, on set. This came from HollywoodNorth.Buzz. And they have some shots of uh, Leonard Snart and uh, Dominic Purcell. Well, McRory and Leonard Snart on a shot together. So, And he is in full Cold costume. Uh, The last big things we really have to talk about, and I'll save the big, big one for last, but... We now have the official synopsis for the film Justice League, and I'll read that for you guys real quick. And that is, in the wake of Superman's death at the hands of Doomsday in Batman vs. Superman, Batman reevaluates his extreme methods and begins reaching out to extraordinary heroes to assemble a team of crime fighters to defend the Earth from all kinds of threats. Together with Wonder Woman, Batman seeks out a cybernetically enhanced former college football star Vic Stone, a.k.a. Cyborg, and speedster 
Barry Allen, The Flash, uh, as well as Aquaman himself, Arthur Curry. They face off against Steppenwolf, uh, the Herald and second-in-command to alien warlord Darkseid, who is uh, is charged by Darkseid with hunting down three artifacts hidden on Earth. We already know those being the Mother Boxes, and it has been confirmed that Vic Stone is indeed one of those Mother Boxes. So, very much looking forward to seeing when this kicks off, but uh, we know we have some time still to wait as the film hits on November 17th. Yeah. Um, Sticking into films real fast as well, we got a little bit as uh, as far as what's happening on the Batman, and we'll get with a later story first. That being that Joe Ma- uh, Meganello has said he has begun training uh, as far as the action sequences. He's currently learning proper work with katanas as he prepares to play Slade Wilson on the big screen. And it sounds like, as according to Variety and several, uh, several other places, that we do have our new director for the Batman. And this is indeed a great, great call. And this is Matt Reeves, who is, if you've seen any of the Planet of the Apes films, he dived into the second installment, which was Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, which I think was even better than Rise. And he's currently working on uh, the editing right now for more of the Planet of the Apes, which I believe is hitting sometime in summer, I believe. Uh, Uh, Yeah, I think it is this summer. Yeah, so that is hitting at that point in time, but... I think this is a great call. This is an absolutely great call. Matt Reeves also did Cloverfield, which I th- still think is a great underrated film back uh, back from several years ago. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do. But this is, I think, this is a right call. Uh, this is, I think, really was the right call from Warner, Warner Brothers. Somebody that can handle actually really good dramatic storytelling and really good action. Uh, I think, Ben, you said it best with uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. The first 30 minutes of that movie was not not even a line of dialogue, and it was nothing but just – it just captured you. Every yeah. moment of that captured you. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do. Yeah. So uh, that's uh, that's it for the news, though, this week. Uh, there actually is another news story that I see here that I don't think you got to. Okay. Um, that I'm seeing, and I bookmarked the story just because I didn't think you had it. But apparently, it, this is jumping back in the TV world too. Um, Melissa Benoist is getting a new costume for the Flash Supergirl musical crossover. Um, apparently, there it was tweeted out that um, I don't know. Um, according it's according to Entertainment Weekly's uh, one of the reporters uh, who tweeted out fact: Melissa Benoist looks absolutely stunning in her musical crossover costume. So uh, no picks for now, but just wow. So apparently she's going to have a new kind of costume for the for the musical. Huh? I'm wondering if they're just going to mess around with the classic Supergirl suit. Uh, but uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do. Me too. Um, and apparently she's also she also said that uh, uh, I can't tell you what, but I'm gleefully humming a song I heard on the Flash Supergirl musical crossover set, which is permanently cemented in my head. <laughs> so hopefully these saw these I mean I'm I'm kind of relating it a lot to um you know like once more with feeling uh from Buffy the Vampire Slayer in which I have songs on my iPod from or on my phone rather from that episode. So if it's anything like that they will probably be songs that we will be singing uh to ourselves. Yeah, for many many years to come. And uh just so you guys know, I know we're we have to dive into some recommendations real quick. Uh, ben, do you want to go first? Uh, well, I think we were sharing a recommendation this week. Or did uh, you have I, another one? I do have one other one. Um, but uh, one of the ones I was thinking of this week is, if you haven't been reading, and I brought it up in the past, All-Star Batman, um, issue seven. Yes, yeah, seven. Uh, just came out this past week, which was Poison Ivy. 
Oh my god, this book is so good. Uh, you really, really need to pick it up. It's written by Scott Snyder, uh, but this was, again, showing that this is one of the best books still in Rebirth, and it's not a shock when Snyder writes Batman. So if you haven't gotten a chance yet, go over Comixology, go to your local comic book shop, pick up All-Star Batman 7. It is well worth the read, and I will tell you guys this now, too. Feel free to skip the new Justice League book that launched this week. Uh, definitely a little shaky, which was the Justice League uh, Justice League America Rebirth, which is the Lobo, Vixen, Killer Frost, uh, the Ray, and Batman-led uh, uh, Justice League. Not the uh, strongest outing, so fair warning. All right. Uh, and then the shared recommendation between both Rob and I this week is if you have not had the chance yet to watch it, it is now available on both uh, video on demand, and I believe it is now out on Blu-ray as well. I think it has come out. Uh, but next week, uh, you can our recommendation for this week is for next week. Watch Justice League Dark. Uh, since we do have a shortened week of shows next week, we're going to take a little bit of time to talk about that next week. So we don't want you guys to have to worry about spoilers or anything like that. So if you get a chance over the course of the week, uh, give that one a watch. And this way you'll be able to judge for yourselves as we go over it too. Yes, and we have not forgot about the Lego Batman movie. I'm probably not going to get a chance to see it until at least another couple weeks, but uh, when we do get a chance, we will discuss that here. It's not one of those ones because it's not really a mainstay part of the DC Universe, um, so we're not going to review it quite yet, but we will be doing it. So. Everybody I've talked to who has seen it so far says it's it's great. Uh, I heard it is Deadpool for kids, and yeah. it, that, that makes me even more excited. Yeah, so, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that one as well. I, I think I have plans not this coming weekend, uh, but the one following, I will be seeing it. So maybe we'll try to get things situated. So uh, in a couple of weeks from now, we'll we'll have time to review that film on here. So. Yeah. Um, I hope the listeners know what I am giving up to talk to Teddy this week. I told you what I'm giving up. I know. This week. And I'm really bummed, but I'm doing this for the listeners because I'm supposed to go to a press screening of Logan this week. Uh, and it happens to be on the same night that Teddy's available. So I'm giving up this to talk to Teddy for you listeners out there. But, uh, you know, next week, uh, at some point over the course of the week, we will have that interview with Teddy, hopefully as long as his schedule still works out. If it doesn't work out and he's not able to do it this week, he's... I've spoken to him. I've spoken to his manager. He's on board. This is going to happen. So one way or another over the course of the next couple of weeks, if it doesn't happen this week, it will happen. So just stay tuned for that. And maybe we can use him for some connections to uh, some other people from The Flash because we know uh, that he talks to them like almost on a daily basis. So. Yeah, I, I'm really excited to do this because this is the first uh, real big celeb I've gotten to sit in on and sit down with um... – so I'm really excited for it. I and mean, we've got a lot of fun stuff planned for this this show for the rest of the season and going into the summertime. So this is kind of the one that kickstarted it. Actually, I think uh, having uh, Shad and Jackson kind of kickstarted it for, for this season for us. Yeah. Um, as we can, uh, came out of the holiday season. But, yeah, there's a lot of fun stuff on the horizon. Yeah, so. for sure. Uh, so next week we're going to talk uh, Supergirl powerless and arrow since flash and legends are not on uh we'll talk justice league dark a little bit as well and hopefully as long as everything works out we'll have that interview with teddy series as well uh so keep an eye out for that but in the meantime thank you once again oh you have one more thank you to make before i wrap things up i do uh that's make sure to go over and check out george shaw's music at georgeshawmusic.com that sounded really redundant <laughs> um <laughs> But make sure you uh, go over and check out his stuff and support him. Uh, the, the guy does, does amazing 
beautiful work, and uh, we we're so honored to have his uh, his tracks and his start in the, the end of our show every week. Yeah. So, uh, thank you once again, everybody out there for listening. Thank you for supporting us as well as you can. Uh, cheap plugs before we wrap things up. Uh, of course, you can catch the other podcasts that I do, the Showcast Spotlight, here on the Next Level Podcast Network, nextlevelradioonline.com. And, of course, uh, we encourage you to comment, follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Primetime. Yep, and you can always check out Caffeine Brewcast Pods over at Next Level Network. That's nextlevelradioonline.com. Uh, episode 34 just went up a couple days ago. Give that a listen. Uh, especially the Cartoon 20 questions was a nail-biter at the end. That was but, fun. Uh, you, you need to check that one out because that was a ton of fun. That was a lot of fun. So. Uh, thank you once again for listening and for supporting us as you do. Uh, feel free to spread the word on our podcast. Share it with your friends and get some more listeners as well. Feel free to comment and like and post anything you want on the Facebook page as we try our best to keep up with that uh, but in the meantime watch the shows we'll see you guys next week and we'll see you guys around the bend take care peace <laughs>